My name is Kimberly Fitton, her manifestation mentor, and you are listening to Manifesting 101, the podcast. This is where we dispel all of those legalistic and religious constructs, like just do away with them and uncover the lies um, that were meant to subjugate us and keep us from living a limitless life where abundance is the standard operating procedure and poverty is the anomaly. And when we talk about abundance, when we talk about poverty, it is not the lack of money or the frequency of the flow of money. It is deficit thinking, deficit living, mentally, physically, financially, spiritually, a deficit, right? Abundance means there is no deficit. And that's what we're here to do. I'm here to educate you. I'm going to give you a bunch of information out of my own personal journey, um, my own uh, expertise. If I haven't done it, I'm not going to teach on it. If I haven't applied it, I cannot teach on it. It's like someone who's never been overweight trying to tell you all you need to do to lose weight. I don't want to hear you unless you got a degree in it, exercise science, and even then... Um, if you're skinny, if your thighs ain't touching, you ain't got nothing to tell me. You, you, we don't live that same struggle. If your thighs were never touching, we, I can't hear you. So that is why I use my experiences and in this manifestation journey to really talk about it. My specialty really is being antagonistic to those who believe God is this deity who doesn't want us to um, be blessed, doesn't want us to be happy, and wants to, that we have to jump through hoops to make him happy. I'm on a mission. And while I complete that mission, we're going to get some money going. You know, manifest some shmoney, manifest some promotions, manifest cars, manifest, manifest, manifest. Ah, Before I get into that, because I know that you can already tell, I'm about to hurt some whole entire religious and legalistic feelings today. I have a couple stories for you and the reason why we are doing, you know, I'm going to talk about this. But before we get into that, I need 17 seconds of gratitude. We do that because we want to be tuned in, tapped in, turned on to the frequency of heaven and all of the great things falling into our laps today effortlessly effortlessly in order to do that one of the quickest ways is to give thanks and let's not even give thanks for something specifically let's just say thank you 17 seconds let's go thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Woo, woo, let her breathe. I don't know what kind of alchemy is created in the body when we are in a state of gratitude, but I'm telling you, it takes no time at all to be calm, cool, collected, and to feel good. If you have the time, 
and want to bring your manifesting game, you know, take it up a notch, say thank you. Just the phrase. Meditate on it. Repeat it in your head for 30 minutes. Bet you won't nobody steal your joy. Bet you. I bet you. I'm going to go ahead and turn my volume down on my computer because just when I get into the groove, there's always a sound that happens that I don't need to happen. So, you know, shout out to the listenership. All of you who are listening on every continent. Thank you for every email. Thank you for every message. Thank you for being supportive. And the Pusher to Manifestation group is popping. Um, we're going to start the Isn't It Wonderful Challenge. And it's going to be phenomenal. If you have a friend that you think you want them to be involved in that group, they for a trial, you know, you want to do it with them. Um, you want them to be a part. We can let them in for a week and then send them on their way. They can do that challenge for a week. We can do that. We can do that. Um, we got a lot of things coming up. Um, if you're not on that mailing list, you can just email me at info at KimberlyFitton.com. The website is actually under, you know, it's take, getting a cosmetic makeover because of all of the things we got coming down the pipe. Uh, I just want it to be aesthetically pleasing and to showcase everything that's going on. Um, I don't talk about the stuff I do talk about is really the tip of the iceberg. There's so much going on. And there's so much to share and there's so many opportunities um, that would oftentimes answer the questions that you guys have when you send it in. So listen, this is what we're talking about today. Um, go get your mama. Go get your daddy. Go get your kids. Get your husband. Get your wife. Because I'm really going to talk about generational um, poverty and systemic poverty. How poverty is built into your DNA. It actually is within your blood. Um, it's an it's if you were poor growing up, it's actually a part of your trauma, adverse childhood experience. I, and even while saying that, even while saying it, I had like a moment where I remembered. My brother's tight, corduroy, camel-colored pants that I wore to school that were too tight on me. And my thighs were, you know, touching, rubbing together. And I had burns on the inside of my thighs because I was wearing my brother's hand-me-downs and he's built a little different, right? My thighs were thick. Now, I didn't have, I didn't have childhood obesity. I was just been thicker than a snicker all my life um but I had a track body anyway I digress but it was definitely traumatic to the point where that is embedded into my hippocampus as a memory where when I think about I mentioned ACEs which is adverse childhood experiences that's the picture that came up and then followed by the taste of honey and peanut butter sandwiches, rodeo bill, sour cream potato chips that were old and stale that had that, you know, when you get a bad potato chip and you have the sour belches, it was like a bag full of those, but that's all we could afford. And when we didn't have breakfast, I ate my lunch on the way to school. My brother and I did that. And I like stole other kids' lunches 
And I could justify by saying I only sold the lunches of the rich kids that lived across the street that would just get something else anyway or had money on their account. But that would, you know, it doesn't justify it. And also, the school never reached out to my mom to tell her how to, like, fill out the free and reduced lunch schedule. Like, why would we have to pack our lunch when it was clear we were poor? Anyway, when I, while growing up, um, I knew we were poor. My mother never said we were poor. I knew it, though. Um, there are certain things that happen, and I won't get into that story because I've told that before. I call it my bag of top ramen, but I won't get into that. What I will say is where we lacked, the one thing that she had in abundance was faith. I've grown up with faith. Um, I saw it on display. She lived it. It was who she was. Um, it's who she is. Um, and my mother would do things like tell us to go grocery shopping and get in the car, but we didn't have no car and we had no money for groceries. So we would get it. When she said get into the car, she meant sit on the living room couch and while I pretend like I'm driving. And we thought she lost it, but she needed a new car. She needed food and her babies needed food. And so what she did have was faith. And she taught us how to do that very well. So my brother and I would look at each other like, you know, your mother's lost it, right? And my other siblings were too young. And my oldest sibling was just like, y'all know she crazy by now, just do it. And I do remember that the next day, we our, our cabinets were full with food. And while we were pretending that we were driving around in a car that was really the couch in the living room... Um, she had us like pretend like we normally, you know, to, to role play like we what we normally did. Oh, that's my house. Oh, that's my car. I call it, you know, you know, the games we play when we were kids. And we helped her live in the reality of the desire fulfilled. Even though in the 3D, the present tense. Um, situation was faced with lack she saw beyond that and I've always had a crazy imagination so you put that with the faith that I inherited and this is what you get to this day I do want to talk more about my mom because it's the tale of two seeds so we're all pretty successful my siblings and I very successful Um, it's a success story within itself how we grew up and where we are now is really actually awesome. And my mom raising five kids on her own did the damn thing. She gave us God. She gave us the opportunity to get to know him because you cannot make your kids love God. You cannot make your kids seek God. You cannot shove it down their throat and expect it to take root. They will then um, throw it up and be absent of his power in their adult life. So it's super, super important that 
you just understand that we are presented. You are your job is to present your children with the opportunity to know him through your relationship, right? So I would hear my mother praying in the middle of the night and crying, going to bed hungry herself so her kids could eat. And then she would wake up early in the morning and seek him and her Bible, her big Bible would be in her lap. And sometimes she would fall back asleep and then wake herself up praying like she was very intimate with the Lord. She knew him and he knew her, knows her and loves her deeply. So this was something embedded in my mind as a reference because I saw my mother be kept in the craziest situations. And as I grew up, was able to make the connection that it was her intimacy with the Lord. And even in that dedication, she was still limited. Now let's fast forward to me. Um, and I will leave out for this episode all of the spiritual giftings that are gifted to me through my lineage, my bloodline, and um, just who my people are. But it doesn't matter who your people are if you don't know yourself and if you don't know God for real, right? So growing up in church and having all this experience, and you can listen to season one for the details, it was a horrific experience growing up in church. And I should have been done with God the way that people presented him. But in the worst times of my life, I had a level of intimacy just enough to to identify his goodness. I did not pray every day. I did not read my word every day. I didn't do none of that. And I'm really going to be honest with you. I was a licensed, um, I am a licensed ordained minister, elder actually. And when I was getting licensed, I wasn't reading the Bible every day. It was, I was like a special event reader when something was going wrong, when I was bored. When I feel the urge of the Holy Spirit tell me, come on, girl, we miss you. Come talk to us. But like I would study for the test. I love learning. I'm a geek. So I would get all of the um, scriptures memorized. I would know I've been doing that since I was like five. What is that? What is memorizing a scripture when you like have to memorize Romans 12 and you're not even seven? Like, what is that? So that was easy. And I like being the, the one that was the high score and the best. So I was the best at, out of the field of ministers. I was the best. I tested the highest. I wrote the best sermons. I had the dopest exegetical style. Like, I'm raw. I'm ill. There is a revelation that you get with your own knowledge and your own seeking. And then there's a revelation that you get with intimacy. And I know that some of you are listening, like what does it have to do with manifestation? Oh, everything. Because what you will find is on this earth, there are perversions of what is real. And I told you season two, we're going to get deep. So you have this concept of when we sin God is upset with us. When we sin, we crucify Christ all over again. And he's just so mad at us. And we got to turn from our wicked ways. Otherwise, he's going to condemn us to hell. And he's not going to speak to us and all this other stuff that is totally wrong. Totally wrong. And if this causes you to stop listening to me, you are powerful to disagree. And please go on, go about your business. 
If this causes you to question your pastor and he says that I'm being contrary, give him my information. We can chop it up. Because I only talk about what I know and what I've lived. And so living a life of condemnation, God was, of course, the last person I wanted to talk to and the last person I wanted to get to know. So when I'm poor and living in my car or paycheck to paycheck, if only when I'm making $4,936 while working five freaking jobs, when I'm doing the best that I can, stealing from cash registers just to just to make me losing jobs. You know what I'm saying? I don't justify anything that I've done, but I was really, really trying. And you want me to believe that. I've been taught all my life that a God that hates me because of my sin is also going to provide for me. I'm, I was too ashamed to go to him. So when I really started reading my word, it wasn't because um, I had this grandiose epiphany. It wasn't because I was preaching all the time. It was when my life completely fell apart. And I was tired of doing things my way. I actually had a deep, deep, deep disappointment. And my challenge to the Lord was this. I have tried. And if this is not what you want for my life, then you're going to have to do better. Do better than what I'm doing then. Because if you can't do better than my current situation, I don't want to hear nothing from you. That's how I talked to him. I was tired. And he's okay with that because from time to time, I've had that same conversation. Like, what's, what's up? What's good? I'm upset. So I had that conversation and I challenged the Lord, do better. And you got me. And he really showed out. He did better. And in that process of him doing better, I was reading my word every day. Now, I am lazy. I'm a genius. But sis is lazy on things that come easily to me. So if you're asking me to open up the word of God and read it, I won't. And if there's the Bible app, I won't open my Bible. I will push play. So I would play the Bible on the Bible app while I would get ready for work. And I'm thinking it's a shortcut. But... When you do this every day and you do this for hours, because my get ready time is a minimum of three hours. Save your judgment. Sis don't care. She leave her house every day. Popping. Except for quarantine. You know, I've been leaving my house regular because my skin is popping. Um, quarantine's been good to my nails, my skin, my hair. Thank you. But I'm listening to the Bible for three hours. I'm worshiping. I'm questioning what I'm listening to. And then I go into prayer. What does this mean? What do you mean by that? Where is this? And then the Lord starts taking me on this manifesting journey, this affirmation where I'm saying I am statements and I'm struggling with I am statements because I feel it's sacrilegious. Oh my God, if I say I'm doing this or I'm wealthy, whatever, then do I have to say in the name of Jesus? Am I usurping God? Um, and I don't know how it happened, but I just let it go. I'm going to give kudos, props to Holy Spirit, who was just like, you're on the right path. Let that go and just follow where I'm leading you. 
And all of a sudden it changed from, you know, cause everybody was like the secret and law of attraction and all this. And that is a, it is actually a perversion. Um, when people don't research, they just think of, <laughs> they, they get the nearest thing and they package it up cause we're a capitalist society and they don't trace the origins. I don't really care about the secret, the book. I actually own it and never really read it. I bought it and never opened it because my journey of education took a different route. And I'm so proud of it, probably because of the demographic I'm called to uh, free from legalistic and religious thinking. So you have this, all of these books and all of this stuff, right? That are actually perversions because it is a perversion. If I make up something, right? If I make up, what is something? Okay, so I I created the decree journal. And then somebody a hundred years later says, guess what? I've created this decree journal. And it has all of my research, but they say, this is the, this is the, This is the journal of the unicorn. It's my original thing. No, like just because you just found it and you didn't re you didn't research doesn't mean that this is the origin. It's not law of attraction. They're universal principles based off of biblical. Like, I mean, this, this even it is steeped in the Hebraic constructs and it's too deep to really go into now. Because it would make your head hurt. But Hebrew, it's the living letter. It's a living language. It's a a language you live out. They're breathing. Letters like, no, really, look at research, you know, research the Jewish faith. Research that, the Hebrew, where that language comes from. And you will know what I'm talking, that what I'm saying is true. But because it caught on, it was pop culture, people just ran with it, right? Universal laws, universal principles, um, laws of intention are all steeped from the Bible or can be found in, I should say, because the Bible is something created. I'm not even going down there. But, you know, with the Hebrew construction of the Hebrew language. So I'm going to open up my computer here because I let it close because I was going off on a tangent because I'm passionate about this stuff. And I'm going to tell you what, 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 what helped me. So I couldn't get past the guilt and shame. And with these mornings, think about it. I worked every day for 180 days. I was on a teacher contract, right? Three hours every day, the word of God. It, you learn to hide it in your heart. And then I learned how to meditate on it, just like David spoke about, so that it becomes one with it. You question. You are to question God. So I can't stand when people say, don't question God. Like, he's not that kind of a parent. He wants to be questioned. Look at Gideon. Look at Moses. Look at Elijah. Look at, like, look at all of the biblical characters. Look at Mary, like they all question, like, excuse me, what? Okay. Multiple times. So I begin to listen and question, what is this? What is this? What is that? What is that? And then I stumbled upon 
a scripture. Now, I didn't really break down Genesis until um, two years ago when I was started working on the Bible of Abundance. And Holy Spirit led me to, told me to read it and really, really go there. Like really, really go in, in deep. So, but I will start with Genesis 1 and 26, as I always do. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And I really go in depth in the Bible of abundance, right? But when someone says to you, when you say, I am God, that's not blasphemy. And if someone gets upset, ask them to explain to you Genesis 1 and 26. Okay, so moving on. Then in the 28th verse, I'm looking at 26 like, oh my God. Okay, so God points to himself. That's really deep because he did point to everything else. Okay, thanks. Okay, so why why us? Oh, he gave us dominion, rulership over every friggin' thing. Then the 28th verse, and God blessed them. And God said unto them, A, be fruitful. B, multiply. C, replenish the earth and then subdue it. Rang that sucker in, man, and make it. That's why, that's why it's okay to say the universe. It was created for us. So when I am decreeing, I'm pulling on the universe created by the God that I am. So I don't care. It's not sacrilegious. It's not disrespectful. It's not blasphemy. It's none of that. When I say, thank you, universe. Don't you think? I mean, I I say thank you to my home. I give thanks. Like when I wake up in the morning, thank you. Good morning. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, chair. Thank you, bed. Thank you. Thank you. Because everyone and everything prospers me now and I prosper everyone and everything. I'm also going to say that good, ever-loving name of Jesus Christ. I don't lose perspective on what is important. Like I don't, I don't lose it. I also don't get caught up on things that don't make a difference. I'm not trying to convert you or convince you. I'm just giving you information. You are powerful to disagree. But enough is enough. So he gives us all of these things to do. Be fruitful, multiply, replenish. It doesn't mean have a bunch of kids. It means take what I've created and make it better. And so I'm going to ask you, are you taking what has been created for us and through us? And are you making it better? What that's been created that's around you, are you supposed to make better? But because you won't take dominion over it, subdue it and take the um, initiative as an heir, as a joint heir to be fruitful, multiply it, replenish it, subdue it, have dominion. The low level thinking, the saying you can't do it, the saying that people are better than you, the saying that God doesn't want you happy. You're not following his decree given in Genesis 1 and 28. But here's the deal. He created us after him. And it says, God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. I'm going to make sure that I give you an address because before I quote scriptures and I am not like, I'm not that type of person 
where I'm just like, um, look what I can do. Look how, what I can memorize. Like it's embedded, but I will give you the address so you can go ahead and, you know, ponder it. John 4 and 24, God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. I could break down what that means to worship him in spirit and in truth. Worship is a posture with your life. And that means really following Genesis 1, 26 and 28 to the letter, doing what he said, do. How do you know that? By the will of God. How do you know the will? By spending intimate time with him and accepting who you are in his eyes, which is perfectly perfect. Not perfectly imperfect. You're perfectly perfect. He turned to himself and created us. If God is a spirit, he then pointed to himself in Genesis 1 and 26 and said, I'm going to make you my image. So man was first spirit. And then the human was created in the second chapter of Genesis in the seventh verse. Then the Lord formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils a breath of life and he became a living thing. Bible don't work backwards like that. Now, a lot of the Bible is not in chronological order, but the Genesis literally means the beginning, the beginning of the story, the beginning of the tale, whatever you want to believe. It's the beginning. So he creates us out of his spirit and then he gives us a shell, which is why I always say we are spirit beings living out a human existence. We are supposed to um, demolish every limitation put on us by this construct of a body, this dust that was given to us. Jesus did it. He came down as a spirit of God in a form of man to live out the human experience. And then he said to us, greater work shall you do. You guys, being rich is not the greater work. Healing the sick and raising dead is not the greater work. So what was he talking about? This is something I pray is revealed to you in your seek of intimacy because it's why I know who I am now and why I don't even think twice when I have a big vision, have the audacity to dream big. I know that it's coming to me because I have accepted the dominion that is in Genesis 1 and 26 and my responsibility given to me when he blew his spirit into me, the breath. Which is why I say the Ruach and the Rhema, you really need to do yourselves a favor and get the Bible of abundance. And this is not, I don't even, I don't even, if, if the Lord told me to like give it for free, I totally would. I'm giving you the information that's in there anyway. It just goes more in depth. If we are God, if he gave us his breath, this is the same breath that said, let there be. Why wouldn't we want to create? Why, why would I need to jump through hoops to get him to accept me when he accepts himself? It's I'm him. I'm him. He doesn't reject himself. He's absolutely positively in love with himself. Ipso facto, he's in love with you and me. I'm going to give you some more proof. John 10, 33 through 35. I'm going to give it to you. We are not stoning you of any good work, said the Jews, but the blasphemy, but for blasphemy, because you who are a man declare yourself to be God. And Jesus replied, is it not written in your law? I have said ye are gods. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, 
and the scripture cannot be broken. Jesus was referencing Psalms 82 and 6 where it said, I said, you are gods and you are all sons of the Most High. The Jews were challenging, the Pharisees and Sadducees were challenging Jesus as to why he had the audacity to walk around like his poop didn't stink. They wanted him to be low-level thinking and thought. He was the carpenter's son, so really he shouldn't have known any of the scriptures. He was not qualified to be a rabbi, yet he knew all of the word and was going toe-to-toe with these people. So much so that the spectators were like, dude, you're super dope. Where's your next event going to be? Because we're popping up in there. We want to know more. And we've never heard it like you're teaching it. So we're here. And we're not just here for the fish and the bread. We're here for your word. So the these intellectual Jews were pissed at Jesus. And so they wanted to bring him down a notch. Which is what happens when you start manifesting, especially I'm going to talk about it, especially in the black community. When someone gets wealth, it is pictured as I'm better than you. Um, I don't want to share the secrets because there's not enough room. And like, it's not like that in other cultures. It's really not like that. Now there is an elitism, you know, elite system, but it's really not like that because everybody knows that money is made every second of the day and there's enough, but because we believe our lot in life is to be poor, We're crabs in a barrel for the most part. And the other reason why is where do we get our teaching from? School and church. So if in church you're always asking for an offering, but you're not teaching me about the principles of giving and the laws of 10 and the law of trading and the law of sowing and reaping or what, how easy it is for money to come to me. And you can't because then I'm going to ask you, well, where's your money? Because we're preaching from a place of please and praying from a place of please and living from a place of please, which is begging. And if we are created from the image of God, out of the image of God, we are God. Why in God's name are we begging? That's not dominion. I don't get it. So this whole episode is brought to you by my frustration in the inability for people to want better. I already know why. I I already know the psychology behind it. And even though I'm a little frustrated now, I'm still going to meditate and pray and be given wonderful ways in order to continue to break down the legalistic and religious constructs that want to keep people poor. Because this is my deal. I see pastors and preachers shaming people for not going to church because of COVID, saying things like you go to Walmart, but you won't go to church. And it's like, no, what you really are saying is because online works, y'all. It really does. I know because I run an online ministry. And every time I've said, hey, y'all, I'm going to be teaching Bible study. They come. The people that are meant to hear the word, hear the word. It's it. If I advertise it more, it probably, you know, more people up in that mug. But and it's it's been like it's it's. (laughs) The word does what it's always going to do. Liberate if it's done right. 
And what really the fear is, because I want to get back to my point. The fear is that the churches are going to close because they're not getting money. When I hear this, when I see this, I already know that I've identified poverty as the standard operating procedure instead of abundance, which should be right. Poverty should be the no, should be the uh, anomaly. They have the same Bible I have. Some of them went to the same seminary trained as I. Some of them know the truth and pretend that they don't so that they continue to subjugate people. That is the wrong type of dominion. I have grown up and I've seen a lot of things. I've seen people pay pastors for their sins to be forgiven or for favoritism, thinking that if they pay and give their money to the man of God, that gets them closer to God when they're already close to God because they are God. Maybe if you pray for me, pastor, that's why I'd be so like, I'm so quick when people are like, can you pray for me? Yes. And then you can pray for yourself. Like, no, that's you. That's your job. It's your job to become intimate and one. God does not want to talk to anybody more about you than you. Because if we would be intimate with him, then we would know who we were. And then we'd be able to manifest just like that. When I tell you he is not concerned with how much, how wealthy I want to be. It's just a yes. Because you are. How can he have all of this, right? How can he be the source, Jaira, right? The source of unlimited provision and I be broke. What? is that it's the thinking and this is what it is right this is the type of thinking that keeps us down as a man thinketh so is he whatever you honor is going to show up if you think you're broke you're broke the universe doesn't know sarcasm it doesn't know i'm just playing doesn't know jokes it knows that you believe it with your whole heart Because when you say you're broke, your mind thinks of evidence, your last ATM receipt, your bank statement, whatever it is that you bill you paid. Just like if you say you're unlovable, whatever is your truth that you're living. I'm sorry, I'm hitting my fist. (laughs) Whatever your truth is that you're living in your head and you have receipts for, that's what you are. You repel the good because of your thoughts. And in the Jewish tradition, the lev, which is the heart, Hebrew word for heart, is also referenced as the mind. So when we see let this mind be in me, which is also Christ Jesus, it actually meant let the heart of mind be the heart of God. Because as you think that you are, and there's research that says there are neurons and electrons in the heart anyway. So this is what I want to let you know. John 15 and 7. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is why I think ask formations are so important. Because there's, it's hidden in there. Like a manifestation trick is actually hidden in John 15 and 7. (laughs) If you remain in me, And my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. We are God. He made us out of him. Then he breathed his breath, right? We're in him. Then his words are in us as well. And when we decree, it's done because we're him. 
That's why it's so important for you to not only know the word, to live the word. And how many of us have been in church service after church service hearing these, but never hearing them explained that way? It's literally a living will and testament. A blueprint. And we've heard that too. The Bible is a blueprint. Yes. So when are you going to use it to build your life appropriately? This freedom is found through intimacy. And the moment I freed God from being this unloving, grudge-holding being above me to an all-encompassing source of love and pride and totally in love with me, living in me, my prayers hit different. You know what I mean? I know that I'm tapping into the power source within. I know that I cannot fail. He's not with me. He's in me. I am in him. I'm a co-creator doing exactly what he told me to do in the 28th verse, which was to be fruitful, multiply and replenish, take dominion, subdue it, subdue life and make it your witch. You guys get what I'm saying? We are not at the mercy of anyone or anything but ourselves. He's given us unlimited power. But if you never seek the source, you'll never know who you are. And I'm troubled when people think that the pleasure of life and pleasing God comes from being inside of church building and making someone happy when the Bible also says you have no high priest anymore. (laughs) You don't need your pastor's permission to go be great. And if pastors were really smart, if preachers were really smart, they would just teach you what they already know. And if they don't know, they can take a couple classes. You know, you point, you know, point your pastor's my direction. I have no problem. I go, I teach churches all over about this. I, I've had, I've offered to people all the time, give me your 10 best givers in your church. Give me the 10, because the best givers in your church are oftentimes the people that hold the the positions as well and are overworked and exhausted and so I said I give them to me give them to me for a month and I promise you I will teach them about money and about living and about connection with God and how to deal with money that your church will multiply not just in people but in money as well because the people will know how it benefits them they're not giving to you And the ones that have taken me up on my offer have seen it. The ones that don't and have something crazy to say, that's why they're talking about, you know, shaming their congregation on their social media platforms for not showing up to church, even though we're on, we're in a freaking pandemic. It's just dumb. But poverty will make you see, like, you cannot teach what you don't live. So if someone is living from paycheck to paycheck and preaching, then the people are going to reflect the DNA of the leader of the house. Because there's going to be a lack of vision. There's going to be a lack of follow through. And so it's not a judgment of anybody. I would that everybody would be free and living this life because what happens is this poverty thinking is embedded in your DNA. 
my mother, as much faith as she had, she's just becoming free of all of the legalistic and religious things and really believing that she can really, really manifest. I remember telling her because she was waiting for a settlement and she would say, I hope this money comes in. And I was like, mom, that settlement is not your source. It is not your source. And I, I didn't understand because there is this woman that taught me about faith. I have the stories to prove she's been manifesting since before I was born. Yet she had become limited through experiences in life and kind of forgetting that. And that's also because that's embedded in her DNA, right? She's by far the most successful kid out of her siblings. And her children are blessed because of her heart. And so she's becoming free. I remember when I got the BMW and the new house and all of this. um, She said, Kimberly, when you got that, and be honest with you. I said, man, I hope she doesn't overextend herself and run out of money. And then I said, oh, no, she doesn't believe that. She's going to be fine. And I realized that my mom's faith was increasing. Now the roles were reversed and her faith was increasing because I had allowed my intimacy with the Lord and embracing who I really am to undo the trauma of growing up impoverished. And her statement, though, really kind of impacted me because I began to panic a little bit like in my head, like, and I'll talk about this the next episode, like, what do you do? when you've manifested and you hit a point of fear. So I think I'll save that for the next episode. It is amazing to see her expand and say phrases like, isn't it wonderful? It's amazing now to see my sisters freeing themselves and manifesting because they're embracing the truth of a family that grew up on the word of God, memorized it, could, you know, I mean, in so many ways, you wouldn't even believe it, but never lived it, never experienced the true, like, connection with the divine to now seeing what life is like by true connection with the divine. I also have seen a bunch of pastors I know get it, like T.D. Jakes, has talked about I am Joel Olstein. They've talked about it. Um, because for the most part, like Creflo, they all know about it. They know about prosperity teachings, right? But I remember one pastor, I asked them, why don't you tell everybody? And he said, Kim, which is a valid point. He said, if I were to unleash all that we just talked about in a Sunday sermon, they would be so scared. They wouldn't come back. And in my mind, of course, I'm like, but then there will be the 10 who would totally get it. He was like, you just got a little by little spoonful of sugar. Them. And I get it. And then there are times when you're seeing kids in systems of poverty, not thinking that they'll be able to make it. And they're like, you know, seventh generation impoverished. You just wanna you just wanna put your cape on and take it to the masses. I normally don't ask this, but I am asking. 
This is a longer podcast than I normally do. I'm asking you to share it with your children. Share it with anyone who will listen. And just let them know that God does desire you to be rich, wealthy. He desires you to be whole. He desires you to feel loved, wanted, and necessary. And living your best life is the least that he can do and he wants. But God needs a body. He gave us his spirit, his breath, and his words. It's up to us to use them. The reason why life is the way it is because we have the breath of God, the words of God, and his spirit. But we're not allowing him to flow through us by taking dominion. I would that you all would be fruitful to multiply and to replenish and to have dominion. But most importantly, in order to get there, you got to be able to see who you really, really are. You are God's. That's it. Kimberly Fitton, her manifestation mentor, dropping a little knowledge. And I know some of you are like, I know she said that she was trained, but now I really understand. Yeah. Um, Yeah, you do. And that isn't even, I don't even think scrape the tip of the iceberg, but there is no, like, I'm not the anomaly. You too can know this information and just desire the seek, desire a better life. And I'm not really sure how I landed exactly here, but I'm so super glad that I challenged God on it. You can find out more about me um, by emailing info at Kimberly Fitton. You can follow me on all social media. Sorry, info at KimberlyFitton.com. You can follow me on all social media platforms. And the website is under construction, but um, we'll be relaunching that soon. Um, But if you want to stay on the email list and stay abreast of what's going on, go ahead and shoot me an email and Z will get you on the mailing list and um, so that you can stay abreast, you know, know what's, what's up. Thank you guys for listening. I want you to live your best life, your most amazing life, and I want you to be great.